You're here just in time, Greg. For those that don't know, Greg like pops up right at the intros going on. That is brilliant. Uh, today we have an amazing guest. We need to see a doctor because Greg over here has been having a nagging rash. I possibly have a hemorrhoid. I don't know. This guy is a professional doctor, I think. He might have his PhD. No, but Clive uh, is a uh, DJ. He started DJing in London clubs when he first started uh, in 1982, if I'm not mistaken. He was with Doctor and the Medic at the time, though. And then he, uh, of course, was doing Doctor and the Medics, released a bunch of singles, which we will talk about. But the big one that boosted his career was uh, a cover, uh, Spirit in the Sky, which... That is the best version of that song, in my humble opinion. I'm not just saying that because the doctor's backstage shaking his fist. Like, you better say <laughs> that's the one. But no, without any further ado, we do have the doctor coming on. But before we do that, please follow him on all social media. Uh, they are all there. And if you can't see them or if you don't uh, get them written down quickly enough, they are in the description below. And also, Pink Sock Podcast is now on all streaming platforms we're on spotify google podcast apple podcast we're on them all unfortunately for some but great for others without any further ado doctor doctor give me the news i've got a bad case of loving you why don't you cover that <laughs> we did <laughs> you did <laughs> yeah there's, there's not many songs we haven't covered it's our 40th anniversary this this year uh, and in 40 years, you get to cover a lot of songs. We did do that one. Yeah, we, we never recorded it, but we used to do it live. So there we are. anyway, hello, everybody. It's lovely to be here. So uh, hello. You, you, you amaze me because I was going through your biography and watching Kathy Grant's Reignite. Um, and you went from being like this when you first started, you had a lot of like hits like that you wrote yourself. And then now you're like the biggest cover artist ever. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. Well, well, I'll tell you what happened. Um, we we started off. We, I mean, predominantly, we're an originals band. You know, we started off yeah. the word cult. You know, and back in those days, um, if you were an indie band, you didn't have hits. You weren't meant to have hits. You weren't meant to get in the charts. In fact, if you remember the expression "sold out," mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you if you had a hit made, oh, you've sold out, man. You know, and in fact, when we had "Spirit in the Sky," a lot of the sort of the the great unwashed who kind of had claimed us to be their own felt so disenfranchised by the whole process that they just stopped coming to see us. In fact, one guy traveled about hundred miles to a gig just to stand by the stage door to tell me he wasn't coming to see me because we'd had a hit. Um, now that, ta that takes, that takes some, yeah, yeah. Fortitude, doesn't it? But, um, we were playing, we were filling venues and we we're having indie hits and the old indie charts in sounds, you know, we had an indie number one. Um, and then we had spirit. Uh, now we're going to skip a little bit here. Right? We're going to skip over the story a little bit to when the band was in a state of decline uh, towards the end of the 90s. We, we couldn't buy a gig is the truth. Um, and I got an offer to do a load of a load of gigs, but I was told you had to do covers. So I said to the remainders of the band, if you want to join me and you know, we've got we've got to play covers. Uh, and uh, they, in fact, Steve McGuire's words to me were, if you can take the rotting carcass of this band and make any money with it, do so with my pleasure, with my, with my blessings. So I did. Um, and now I'd read a bit about Tina Turner saying the only thing that Ike gave her mm -hmm. was he told her that when you're struggling, do covers. 
So to me, I thought, well, if it's good enough for Tina Turner, it's good enough for me, okay? The only thing was, she did it for 18 months, I did it for 18 years. But we're so, but it's like a bomber coming out of a very slow dive, and we're just at that bit there now, uh, with a new album coming out this year. So it's been yeah. So we kind of go between covers, originals, covers, originals, and we don't care. Are you guys sticking with the working title, with for this new album coming out, or did you change the title? It depends which version you've heard. It depends who I was talking to at the time, because. Uh, what, I, what I've always done, and I, I promise I'm not going to do with you. <laughs> You're just going to make up shit like you do on Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're not even uh, working on an album. Don't lie to us. I, I, I'm not even. A, I'm not even indoctrin. I'm not even the doctor. I'm just. Uh, I'm just a bloke with a wig on. Yeah. When you um, fir- when you first told me you're a doctor, I wanted you to look at like medical things, but no, you're actually a reverend. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah. So, um, no, when I, I put the stuff on Wikipedia for a reason, if I'm doing an interview and I hear the guy just saying, Oh, you recorded a world music album in the Mexican desert, I believe. Can you tell us the story? I know, all right, mate, you've read Wikipedia and that's it. And so, from that moment in, I just talk bollocks and make stuff up. Um, and it's quite, yeah, and I have a lot of fun doing that. I mean, Wikipedia have clamped down, but for a while they had the, uh, you know, the Mexican album thing, but I was refused a heavyweight boxing license in 1992 on health grounds. That one's true. I might be. I might be. <laughs> I might be lying to you now. See, the great thing is Mick Jagger can't say all this, can he? Because everyone knows what he's done every second of his life. I can make anything up and anyone would believe it. The snail farm is true. Uh, I want to get, gonna... get into that because okay. I want to know, and I'm sorry if I interrupted your statement, but... You what, interrupt away. What is the life of a snail farmer? Like, do you milk them? What's, the, what's snail milk taste like? Like, what, what, like, what do you do? <laughs> It, 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 it's a hard life. You, you're up at three in the morning. You don't go to bed until one in the morning the next day. You have to inspect all your snails, and a reasonable amount of snails is 300,000. So you're going around every day checking they're all right. Not just their physical well-being, their mental well-being. Uh, you have to spend time. Some of them need a lot more. It, it, different snails need different approaches, okay? Some of them need the arm around the shoulder. Come on, mate, you're okay. You're going to be fine. Some of them need just telling eat breed bloody breed eat now they so you've got to have, you've got to work out which is which and how they do, and you get to know them all and so it's heartbreaking when you sell them by the ton for the restaurant because you're just saying goodbye to 250,000 of your best mates it's 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 a hard life there's the, the the physical work is hard and the emotional strain well look at me i'm i'm 21 <laughs> so when when you say when you say you're a doctor you don't mean for people you mean for snails <laughs> if i was a if I was a doctor for snails, I'd be, I'd be a rubbish one because the truth is I started it in Wales and all I want on my grave, I don't want anything else. I just want, here lies Clive Jackson. He was a crap snail farmer. <laughs> Within the space of three weeks in 1980, oh, what year was it? About 1989. In about three weeks, I watched my entire, I don't even know if they're called a flock or a herd. I don't, I'll call them a herd. My entire herd of snails died. Um, because we'd had two mild winters, they hadn't hibernated, so they were starving, and they, were, they got they got fluke or some bacteria in there, and it just wiped the lot out. Um, and so, yeah, I was I was I, I now know why nobody else has ever tried to farm snails in the Brecon Beacons. They all farm sheep and hardy animals that are used to it. But me, I, it's a bit like Monty Python. It's a bit like sorry, Michael Palin's 
crossing the Andes by frog, isn't it? I decided to farm snails in a mountainous, cold region. You are the real-life Spinal Tap. Okay, I can see this in one of their movies where, like, Nigel's like, I retired from music and now I'm snail farming. <laughs> but how do you find time to, like, write music and do shows if you're spending all this time snail farming? Well, as I say, they did die in 1989, so I've I've had oh. a long time I've had a long time to recover and get over it. Um, well, I thought you were still doing it. That's why. No, I... no, sadly not. Sadly not. No, uh, snails. Die. Although I have changed the entire um, the entire indigenous species of snail. I've, I've affected the entire ecostructure for the Brecon beacons because uh, my snails were Helix aspersa major. The indigenous species here were Helix aspersa minor. So you've got mine, which are this big, there, and which are that big. They've interbred, and you've now got a medium uh, breed all around here called, I call them Helix aspersia Clive's boys. Uh, that, 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 by the way, I should say boys and girls because they're asexual. They, they, when they breed, they both have eggs and they both lay eggs, which is so quite, it, which is beautiful, the, really. It's not the size of the snail, though, Clive. It's how it tastes. You know what I mean? <laughs> never, do you know do you know i've met i, I keep meaning because just go out with a bucket and collect loads of this kind of hybrid snail that i've introduced to the area you know it's going to be some disaster there's going to be some natural disaster like there's going to be another covid and they're going to trace it to this specific breed of snail in the brecon beacons that i accidentally started aren't they i'm going to be responsible for it but um i've You're never here first folks clive jackson started the omicron yeah. with a freaking snail yeah I've, I've never i've never tasted i've never tasted my own snails <laughs> that, that, that sounds wrong doesn't it <laughs> i've never tasted that needs to be on a shirt Dr. Yeah. Medics never tasted my own snails. Yeah, that might, be the, that, that might be the title for the book. Yeah, is that the new album? <laughs> oh, bring us back to your original well, well, question. <laughs> Let's bring us back to your original question, which was, "Am I still going with the working title for the album? Uh, which working title have you heard?" <laughs> optical Mystic was the one I heard. Yes, the Optimal Mystic. That's what we're going. Uh, yeah, that's what we're going with. You know what you um, should do? Sorry. Hear me out. I'm a marketing genius. You should release this album in different countries under different titles that you said was the working title. So you're not lying to anyone. Very good. Very good. I've got them all written down. My memory's terrible, but I think we've got the um, the um, the, the disastrous rise and fall of Harry Ockham is another one. Uh, that, that's a personal one because Harry Ockham, H-A-R-I, um, he's our mythical stroke. He really did exist. Um, he was our driver and spiritual press officer. He still does our press for us, but he was also our spiritual guru back in 1982. And it was Harry that told us that you don't do music for money. You, you do it for the love and that somehow to earn money from it was to soil it. So he was very good. He looked after the van, all the equipment, all the money and everything for us. So we didn't have to worry about it. Sadly, the day the van and all the money and everything disappeared, so did he. So we think that when he saw that uh, man's inhumanity to man, it affected him so badly that he just had to go off and he's probably still meditating somewhere. So he, he disappeared the same day that everything disappeared. So, uh, yeah, so that, that that's named after Harry because he's obviously a very special man out there somewhere still looking after our money for us so we don't have to worry. Wow, that's an insane story. <laughs> well, again, it would be if it was true, but, you know. Oh, well... <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't believe anything you say. Like, I don't know if I, I don't even think you're a real, like, I don't think any of this music you wrote's real. I don't I'm a glove that. puppet. I'm sitting here with a glove <laughs> hand up my ass. If I find out that you were the next Billy Vanilli, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I aspire to being Billy Millie, as I call him. Actually, you heard it here first, folks. The actual singer on the Millie Vanilli songs is actually Clive Jackson of Doctor and the Medics. <laughs> In fact, if you listen very carefully to some of those recordings, you can hear the sound of 250,000 snails sliming around the studio. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about doing that as an intro for a song? <laughs> that would be brilliant. Well, not until now. <laughs> With your luck, that would be your next huge hit and then nobody would like you anymore. <laughs> you can't have any less people not liking us than we've got now. Hang on. You can't have any more people. That's right. You can't have any more people not liking us than we have. Oh, oh than we had a little while ago. I, th I think we bottomed out on that front. So <laughs> I, I love how like a lot of musicians, when they reach even the fame that you have, like has an ego to them. But you're just like, yeah, I mean, I had my fun, but <laughs> um, well, we've always been, I, I tell you what, we've always been an ego-free zone because I think there may have been a little while at some, yeah, deluded point where one or two of us got a bit above our station, but we've always been, even before, and we never really understood why we were number one, what had happened, because we were this indie band, we, we'd, we'd made an album, we'd had indie number ones, we were on that level, and that was going to be our level. We were going to make albums and be, maybe one day aspire to having sort of some semi-hits, you know, what have you, and um, and carry on down that line. We, ne we never ever uh, thought we'd have the hit. In fact, when we were flying over to America, to tour America, because we, we did an insane, uh, oh God, five, six, seven week tour of America, but it was one of those share a burger ones because we had no money um we weren't particularly well known in america so you do the east coast and the west coast and those venues are great but everywhere in the middle all by bus like every single night doing a gig because we had to pay for the hotel you literally pay as we went along down the way um but on the way over there we went air india which was fantastic because they were selling indian champagne for nine pound a bottle uh, which, he, which even then was really, really cheap. So we were all drinking this. And I remember saying to Steve, I said, look, let's just enjoy this, mate, because it's never going to happen again. And do you know what? I was right. <laughs> you, you haven't toured America since, have you? No, 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 we haven't. Um, you know, people keep saying, why don't you come over? Well, it's, you know, sadly, it doesn't work that way, does it? You know, I don't, I don't say, oh, America, I'm coming over to tour, you know. Uh, and I, I, I think the, the economics, economics of it, uh, the, the, you know, just wouldn't, just, they're not going to work, are they? So well, the I'd, 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 like to, I'd like to think at some point something will happen whereby we'll be able to come and do, because you got, what I like about America is, at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but what I liked about it was you'd see people playing the venues that we were playing, like Dave Mason from Traffic, who nobody over here would wanted to know. You know, it was dead in the water. Uh, but you see all these artists who, and, and countries like Italy are the same as, as yourselves, where they, they hold on to people who've had their moment. People still want to go and see them because they realise that they're going to, you know, going to enjoy the show. Whereas in England, Britain, we're very 
we use them you have your five minutes and that's it which is possibly why we've got such a good vibrant musical scene over here because we get rid of the driftwood very quickly you don't hang around on the shore for long um unless you're up there there so so you you, you it's a very quick rotation of people but in america you did seem to have a, a, a system of venues where people could play it who possibly had their day but were still performing and enjoying it and so i'd like to think we could come one day and do that sort of thing what I've noticed about music and uh, a lot of bands that are like huge over there, like you stated, a lot of bands that are huge in the UK or even got a following in the UK doesn't have the same success in America and vice versa. Like an example I always use is the band AHA. Yeah. AHA is, was huge in the UK. They still headline festivals, but in the United States, they're a one hit wonder. Yeah. Status quo. Yeah, they're only a one-hit wonder, and yeah. they, they haven't toured in the U.S. in a long time. No, there's a lot of bands. And to be honest, I'm sure if we went down the annals of who's... It would be the same as in America. I, I just think some bands... Don't translate well with other countries. No, do you know what? I, I think it's more of a business thing. Because uh, certainly back then, you had to have the correct representation you had to, to get into the charts you know you had to be played on this radio you had to be played. it's a very complex having a hit in america is, is far more complicated than it is over here because over here you had radio one haha get on radio one and play it enough and you have a hit it was that simple but in america i got so you got the i, I still get confused college radio this radio that radio this chart that chart. it's quite a complicated business and i think to get there you have to um, from the bands I know and what I've read, that the bands who've done it have either gone out there and they've toured and toured and toured and supported X, Y, Z for years and years and years, which we, we didn't get the chance to do, we'd have loved to have done. Um, or they've gone out there and they've had such a backing, they've, been, they've gotten to this syndicated station, that radio station, that show, and they've worked their way through it. Well, not, neither of those options were open to us. We, we did do... It was a good tour because we were kind of a, again in america very culty so and we'd have kind of the sort of pre-goth goths coming and and uh, you know a lot of the the kind of the, the punk the hangover of punk at the time so we were kind of so the venues we were playing the small venues were brilliant um and as i say in, in new york and la great gigs but just in between the americana in the middle was quite interesting on occasions like, like i'll be honest like i didn't like i knew of the band like i knew the song spirit in the sky because it was in a lot of movies back in the day wasn't it uh, not our version sadly oh uh, because I, I know the song and like when i heard your guys's version it, to me it's the best version they have out there including the original oh thank you um, there we are there but um i listened to like your albums because i wasn't that familiar with you guys until kathy started mentioning you guys because i'm in america you're, you guys weren't like a huge as big of a hit over here as you was in the uk and i don't think you've released a bad song on your albums from what i've heard and it's a tragedy that like bands like you guys aren't bigger but do you think that the fact that media is so easily accessible now could be a downfall of like bigger bands happening because a lot of music's easier to get a hold of yeah i i think uh i i think to become if you look at the bands who are touring stadiums now mm -hmm. uh i think sort of you got you know the big bands in the 70s they're still 60s stones you know for example 70s 80s and then it suddenly goes down 90s zeros 
the ones that actually break through to that level are getting less and less and less um, because right the question you get asked a lot is how do you compare the music to when we broke through to the music scene to how it is now and I don't think it's better or worse it's just very different so yeah for me to discover a band like the 13th Floor Elevators, which one of Rocky Erickson, uh, 13th Floor Elevators, one of my favourite bands of all time. I was lucky enough to see him last time he played the UK, um, which had been a lifelong thing. I really wanted to see him and I wasn't disappointed. Um, but to discover that band, you had to take a bus ride to a record shop in another town, come back with your 12 inch of vinyl under your arm. You'd have read this little snippet about them in some paper. You, um, uh, you'd probably get a kick in on your way home because you had the wrong album in in the wrong neighborhood um but you get home with that final and you just, the excitement uh that's what you you don't get now the excitement of putting that on and thinking right i've i've never heard this i hadn't even heard you're gonna miss me well i had actually no i had because i'd heard it on um uh there was a radio station covered the nuggets album the double nuggets album i don't know if you remember that with all the american garage bands on there which, which i thought this is brilliant i need to find out about this so i did and when you got it you own that 12 inch fire you that was yours and you felt that which you don't get now but what you do have now is that instant so you find a band you hear them on spotify you can see them on youtube you can, so within 20 minutes, you know everything about them, you know all their releases, you've heard a lot of their music, and you've seen them live probably on YouTube. So um, that accessibility, I think, is brilliant, and I think it's yeah. quite vital. But what it does is it gives everybody, you're not being spoon-fed band A, B, and C, who they've decided, oh, we're going to play this, da, da, da. You've got the world at your fingertips. So what it does do, there was a lot of rubbish around in the there's always been a lot of rubbish around in the music business i say rubbish people doing it who just aren't as good you know it, it, it's just what happens or not as lucky but the, the the music is there it's not good it's just that you've got a hell of a lot more bad music now so you have to search a bit longer to find it but when you do well the thing course, is sorry to interrupt you but oh no you can interrupt the way the issue is is it is easily acceptable accessible sorry easily accessible but it's not that there's more bad music out there. It's just easier to find. There was a lot of bad bands back in the day. They just weren't played yeah. on the radio. You didn't yeah. hear them a lot. Well, I suppose I suppose what I'm saying is, sorry, there used to be a filter system, which yeah. was record companies, gig venues. You know, you can get to do a gig if you weren't good. But now you can, yeah, as you say, you're there. But it's just it's just harder to wade through it all. So I, I, and I suppose what I'm saying to your question is, it's okay a band can have some success make a living tour and gig but they just don't get to be because there's so much more out there they just don't get to that elevated status as often which i don't know is a bad thing or not because if it's like the lottery should the lottery be one prize of 50 million pounds or 50 prizes of one million pounds and i think maybe it's better that more bands get to experience and get to a level rather than just a few bands get up to there possibly you know so well, the, the uh, only, it's a double-edged sword because like your music is more easily accessible. People can find out more about you. It makes it a lot easier for the fans, but there is that double-edged sword where there's not much profit to be made off the music itself because Spotify and stuff don't pay like the record labels did. No, no, they don't. And what, the, the way you've got to comp, which I'm, I'm way behind, I'm way behind the curve on all this is the way you've got to compensate that is just keep putting stuff out, putting stuff out so that Spotify and everything is loaded with your material so that you're getting less money per track, but you're getting more money because you've got more out there. Um, and 
so right i'll cut i'll cut to the chase because we, we we are doing this album this year whatever happens it's going to get finished and we're quite we're quite we're getting through it you know it's been tough because it's, it's been lot... it's been 15 years bro <laughs> you're trying to beat ashley grant with the stereotypes on the longest amount of time to make an album come on now i i've got i've got to be honest i found the original cd with the original song ideas that were sent to me the music by the guy i wrote it with and i found it and the date on there was 2005 so it's 17 years <laughs> i don't want to rush it i don't want to rush it you know you were too busy trying to get the snail farming business back up don't lie to me <laughs> I, was too, I was too busy living love and it, it, it do you know the toughest thing right talking about what we're talking about because of course it with these kind of micro industry that bands like me now are you know um where basically you get your money from gigging which is great but i don't have a manager i don't have an agent i have agents who get me but everything comes through me i'm the accountant the finance i i organize do the logistics because to do it that's what you have to do and i do it with and i love doing it you know because i've always been a bit of a control freak and i used to hate it when you turn up and you say to people well, oh so where's the hotel well it's over there well no i'd be like well it should be over there and it's over, yeah, but I want one over there. But now I get my hotel where I want it because I book it. Uh, well, but from a you business know, you, standpoint, that's smart though because you have less people you got to pay. Well, I couldn't. The, the simple fact is, I've had people offer to manage me, and I said, "Well, how's that going to work then?" You know, there's barely, you know, because this is our model, how we work, and they, and they always say the same thing. They always say you should be charging five times as much as you are and they, literally that's the figure that most of them say is around five times and i say i know the market i know where we play my band want to gig they want to be gigging every weekend they don't want to be playing so if you charge the money they wanted to we'd be playing four or five gigs a year and it'd be very nice because you go out and you get a big wad of money but we want it we are a gigging band and we want a gig so we're not going to get that and we're not going to do that and people just don't understand the model that we that we operate on which is in order to act up that way, someone's got to do it. And the person who does it is me. And I love doing it, though, you know. So my time spent, you know, in my big crumbling <laughs> mansion in the Brecon Beacons here um, isn't spent like, you know, angsty, artistically going through it. In fact, I quite like that now because I used to be like that. But now uh, I'm producing, well, Dan, our guitarist, is producing it. And uh, his time he's he's got four kids he's he's very busy you know and he's got lots of stuff he says right next wednesday this song and i think ah so i've got to i've got the discipline i've done a lot of the work all the airy fairy stuff but i've got that discipline of right and we go in and i find that what you're doing is you're going in and instead of spending a day two days on a track the music's all done we go in and within two hours the vocals are done and we go in and i'm much and i'm really quite happy working that way now so um i'm becoming more efficient if you like at going in the studio and uh getting down and uh, and very happy with the way it's turning out so yeah quite 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 pleased about that so i don't get a lot of time to songwrite because i dj as well and do all the other bits i do and you are a busy man you got all this shit going on and by the way i would like to acknowledge people in the chat because we've been kind of talking we do have jolie in the chat she runs the uh spirits medics tour diary i hope i said that right because everyone julie yeah yeah. yeah that's yeah. right and um also the stereotypes brought up a point um 15 years is a bit of a rush uh, you, you, want, you want to take a little bit, a little bit more time 
Oh. Well, I'm, I'm 60 this year, so it seemed, well, no, I was 60 last year. I'm 61 this year at some point. You so forgot. it seems like a good, a good point to get it out, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I like because how my bass player said, make sure this album isn't a posthumous one. <laughs> I like how you said that you have bad memory before you went on the air, and then you forgot what your age was. I love it. <laughs> you're, Don't you're worry. Actually... I hope my, my kids, if my kids see this, they'll, they'll just rip the piss out of me immediately. So You're actually 27 years old. We, we mentioned that before. And From the knees upwards, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> but anything below that's like snap, crackle, pop. Yeah, including the knees. No, yeah, that's, that's exclusive of the knees. Yeah, so yeah, both 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 of them have got to be replaced this year, uh, and that that, that that's going to happen at some point. Uh, too, uh, but I'm kind of like I was talking to my brother. He said, "How are you? How's your knees?" I said, "Well, they're okay." I said, "The way I'm the way I'm dealing with it is, you know, if you drive a car and your tires are getting very thin on tread." And then you think, I just want to get a bit more money's worth out of them. So you drive them till the canvas is showing and then the metal strip. You think, no, they're still good. That's what I'm doing with my knees. I just want to get me money's worth out of these original ones before they retire from the band. So um, I, I've kind of announced on stage the other week when we were gigging. I said, we've got to say goodbye to two members of the band who are leaving us after a long time. And um, ladies and gentlemen, if you could show some appreciation, um, without them, the band would never have been what it is today. So please, might be their last gig. Please show some appreciation for my knees. And and, and people are very polite, and they give them that. I think they realise what a what a pivotal part of the band my knees have been for all these years. So you you have the most famous knees in history. <laughs> they do. They well, they look. They look at the moment. They, they don't look good in stockings, put it that way. <laughs> well, you don't have them. I take that back. You don't have the most famous knees. Monica Lewinsky did. But oh, yeah, you have yeah, the yeah, second yeah, fam yeah. most famous knees. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. No, they, my, knees are, my knees are like, they look like college. They're, 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 yes. <laughs> they're, not, they're not good. So there we are. So when's that going to happen? Or do you have to free up your well, gigs? Or well, no, no, well we're on, I'm, on a, I'm on one of these uh, waiting lists over here. So and with covid and everything else everything's going back and what have you so uh the, the estimation is it'll be this year but i've, I've got a couple of gaps be, right be, okay what i was talking about earlier about the worst thing you can say to a musician is oh you're all right you're all getting back to work no you know no we're not 2020 was going to be our busiest year for 35 years we kind of built up the live following got everything going and it was look everything we were going to be really busy literally I, and i look back because i keep all this stuff and it was 35 years before that that we were as busy um and of course you couldn't make it up could you doctor and the medics what could possibly go wrong <laughs> oh let's see uh but this year you know no it is coming back but the truth is, and I don't want to get too dull and boring about it, but John Henry's in London, every musician in this country for the last 30 years will know John Henry's. It was the studio hire, it's where everyone went, all the big bands would go there to set up. If you needed any equipment to hire for a radius of 200 miles, John, they've gone out of business. Trucking companies gone out of business. Um, so much of the infrastructure has gone out of business because they're just sitting there watching their stuff paying for storage and they just couldn't afford it so and that's happened to a lot of bands as well and a lot of band members people have had to take jobs people have had to go on so we're not we're, we are grinding back we are five inch of the way and the way i put it to bands and this is my head now because i crumbled a bit when it all went tits up you know i i had i had, I had to have a word with myself because it was like 
when you look when you built built up something from as we were in 1997 which was six gigs and you build it up to being your busiest year for 35 years and you're on a roll and everything's working and you just watch it all go like that within a week you're like and like you 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 you, you might you you takes a while for, to get your head over it so we're the way i deal with it all now and i say to bands because a lot of bands say no it's bloody hard work now isn't it i say look you've got to pretend you're 18 again and when you were 18 you'd sit in the back of the van on all the gears for four hours in a freezing truck just to go and play somewhere you've got to get that hunger back now and you've got to want to do it if you're not you're not going to get there you forget it going other jobs are available much better paid jobs are available if you're not prepared to go through that cathartic process and go right back and think right we're gonna have to fight we're gonna have to do this okay you turn up at a gig now you don't get what you used to get you don't get this you've got to yeah you've got to get over that because you want to play and you want to do it and i want to play and my band want to do it so we're, we're yeah we're, we're going to claw our way back i reckon 23 24 2023 24 will be something like where we were but we've got we've got a long hard fight to to get to uh, and it's not just us people and a lot of people are coming out to gigs now, but there's a lot who are still still very wary, still aren't sure yet. So, and they're going to take a little while to come back on. Um, and they, you know, and we just need to see the process going on. The bands need to get, in, you know, th everything needs to do. So we, we are, it's a bit, as I said, my career coming out, we're coming out of that dive and we're not back there yet. We're coming, we, we've got to get back up there. And the only way we'll do it is by all work, promoters, bands, everybody looking after each other, and, and, and pushing in the same direction. Everyone go check out the Spirit of the uh, Medics Facebook page. It is there in the chat right now. But what you were saying is, is um, I'm a big advocate for mental health and stuff. And I know that uh, I've heard that you have your own struggles. We all do. Um, how did you like handle your mental health during this pandemic? Because it's not been easy on anyone. I didn't like... Did you continue writing while doing it? Did you, like, how did you handle it as a non-touring musician? Because you couldn't. Um, right. I, right. Firstly, let me say, I've, I've known people with proper mental health issues and, I, and, and they have every bit of sympathy with people where professional help is needed, people who can literally not get out of bed, cannot make a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. So um, this is, I, I was never like that and, I, and I'm lucky. I'm not saying oh, I'm strong or anything. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Um, I know enough about depression uh, to know that it's, you, you've got no, you can't just say to, you know, people say, oh, cheer up, you know, oh, you'll be all right. You know, you, no, it's not. It's it's just, it's a horrible, horrible place to go to. And um, it's like fighting yourself pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I did not have that. All right. So I was very, very lucky. I know a lot of people who did, and it was brought on by lockdown. I know a lot of people who are struggling to this day, um, but I didn't. I was unhappy. Simply that I was unhappy. And of course I was. And I sat back. I thought, well, of course I'm unhappy. You think for a while, am I depressed? And then you get out of bed, you make a cup of tea, you get dressed and you think, no, I'm not actually, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm not depressed. Uh, I can do this. And then you think, well, hang on, I've lost all those gigs, I've lost this. I don't know where my next money's gonna cut. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. Of course you're unhappy, but you've got to differentiate between being unhappy and being, being manic. Um, yeah. And being depressed, or, and having any, you know, other pro there, which I was very lucky I didn't have. So basically, I was able to process 
and say, well, of course I'm unhappy because I'm here and I need to get to there and I was able to process it. So, I mean, so before I say what I did artistically, you know, my, my heart goes out to everybody who is still struggling. And uh, my message there is just to remember you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I did put that out. I, I, I put that out on Facebook during uh pandemic and i said you know anyone who needs to get in touch just get in touch and i was like oh wow you know there were a lot of people and people were selling their guitars to pay for their rent and stuff so i literally made a spreadsheet in the end i said look this is what i've done this is who i've approached this is where you can get money this is delay so i literally was sending people the spreadsheet and saying, you know just getting to go through that just do one a day don't look at it all it'll kill you you go i'm never going to do that just do one a day and then build your way up and you know, and I got a few people thanking me afterwards, but it was yeah, but that that was you know, you, it, it was really really hard for people, and I, I just think I was very lucky. I think you know the way I'm wired, um, and and it's a throw of the dice. Any anyone who's had depression knows what I'm talking about. It's a throw of the dice. You you wake up one day, and black dogs in the house, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. And um, you know, but one thing I do say to people is you're not alone. Um, you know, do look out. There are there's more people who who will help you than you think. And the, one of the things that it mental health does, the situation does, is it isolates you. You think you're in that hell. Get out, please get out there. Reach out, you know, reach out because more people will help you than you think. Well, I'm a big advocate for it because I myself, I'm not like extremely depressive. Like I can get up and do stuff, obviously. Yeah. But this podcast really helps with it. But anxiety is also a big problem oh. a lot of people have. Yeah. And when you have them at the same time, you're like fighting yourself. Yeah. Oh, and anxiety, lockdown, of course, anxiety. People just didn't know, you know, they, my mum, bless her, uh, she said, and she, I said to her, you know, well, you, you know, you've been through the war. So how does this compare? She said, this is far worse. Mm-hmm. She said in the war, you could get up, you could go out the house, you could see people, you could do, she said, so this is far worse mentally and harder to do and i, I, I thought wow because i think everyone kind of assumed that being in britain in the war was you know the the worst time to go through and she said no it was nothing because you've got to remember most of the time people were going to work people were going to school you were looking on the newspapers uh, and what have you most of the time but when the you know, the impact the when bombing and people dying you know the impact was just wow you know off the scale but for general life she said this was harder mentally to get through than the war so on a positive note um, yes yeah you... let's let that let, let's go no, you did ask me what i did artistically so um <laughs> what i did was i thought well i'll write you know i'll write a book <laughs> and um as i say my, my manager years ago i said to andrew i said to him andrew if, uh, if i wrote a book nobody would believe it and he said dear boy if you wrote a book nobody would buy it um and i I kind of took that to heart so i wrote a a show what i wrote called the doctor will see you now uh which is a two-man show and it features all our material the only covers in there are the we do you spin me round which which we did as a I did that as a single i'll tell you about that later a little while ago just to just so the current band could have a bit of vinyl in there thank you well well the reason the reason i did that was because i realized that some of the band had been with me for like 15 years and they'd never held a piece of vinyl in their hands so i said let's do let's do a song let's let's put out a single uh and i'll just press up 300 vinyl and it was great fun and of course they got the video and we made we made a video and we did it so so they got it so i do that in the show and of course i do spirit and sky in the show the rest of it is art from the first song the druids are here 
right the way up to our next single. <laughs> so have you ever thought of doing a show and not including Spirit just to see if a riot breaks out? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, good idea. Good, good idea. But I'll tell you the truth about that is you do get, or you did get, uh, certainly bands who had a hit and didn't want to play it. And they go, they go on stage going, we're not going to play that. I remember Les Gray from Mud refusing to play Tiger Feet. He said, no, we're not going to play that. We're bored of playing that. And it was like, it, it's just at the end of the day, right? If you go and see a band and there are a lot of bands who do it and they've had lots of hits and they decide to just play one or two of them and then play their new album, you go, oh. you know, you, you hear the, the audience audibly groan when they say, yeah, we're going to play you the new album in its entirety. And you go, uh because what people want you want to be entertained you want to see hear the songs you know you know uh so but i've always taken that to heart and i think if you've got a job where you get to go on stage and sing if you're lucky enough to do that um you know uh that that's brilliant but if you're lucky enough to go on stage and sing a, a worldwide hit that people have taken into their hearts da, 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 da. if you don't want to do that you shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a venue i i love singing that song i love singing it because i love seeing what it does to people i love it, it the unity people come up to me after shows and say they're going to get buried to it or they buried it's a big song it's number one in funeral parlors in this country and I, that's not a joke it's one of the most played records and i actually think wow that was three minutes and 40 seconds of a pop song and now it's taken that on in people's lives. You have to respect that. And I always that's, do, yeah. That's insane. Um, yeah. Kath wants to know, uh, she's looking forward to hearing uh, Grimly Fiendish in the show. Will it happen? <laughs> um, do you know what? I, I when, when the doctor will see you now, it, it kind of, because I wrote it and I did it in lockdown. The reason I wrote it was venues were opening in with lockdown where people were sitting at tables and chairs. And with a two-man show, you're allowed to play them. So I wrote it to go into those venues. So I did a few in lockdown. I've done a few more since. And it's developing and it's getting legs. And I'm finding out what people want to hear. Because it's funny. It's self-effacing. It's taking the mick out of me, you know. Because as I say at the beginning, this song is about the band who are least likely to still be around today, to have least likely have made a comeback, to have least likely have had a hit. And some people say to least likely to have ever existed in the first place. Uh, and I said, and this is the story of how, why and what and, uh, and that process and, uh, and where we go. So it's, it's funny and it's self-effacing, you know. And we, I've been in lots of ridiculous situations and some would say doctor and the medics you know you're still going really one hit really uh you know and that's and that's what the show's about but it's kind of taken legs and during it there's a couple of songs that we've realized that kind of because people don't know that i wrote grimly feet the words to grimly feet or some of the words roman and i still argue over who wrote which words i wrote all the good ones uh you did and they don't know. They don't know that I did that. And and you say that people are oh, interested. And I think, well, that'll be a good one to do. So yeah, we we yeah we may put it in. So the doctor will see you now. Not to uh, the doctor and the medic shows. We've, we're kind of we're we're slowly sliding new songs from the album in. Me saying that you know you hate to see a band play their new album, but we're slightly but we kind of interlace them in. Well, you know, we put, what you need you know, to do though is bands uh, sometimes play their hits first, then the new album. You got to play the new album, then the hits, so that they stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. Yeah, you've, you've got to, you've got to get, and you've got to do it to your audience. I mean, I've turned, we've turned up at gigs with the set that we want to play, and we've looked at the audience and gone, no, that's not going to work, is it? And we've changed it because it's what at the end of the day, they're the ones, it's their their night out, 
Yeah. They've invested their time, their and money. And they've possibly never seen you before. Exactly. And you've got, well, most people haven't. So for me, in the Injury song, you know, I chose to play the fool in a six piece band, first night nerves every one night stand. I still get those nerves because it's not like we're just going out onto a big stage with an auditorium packed full of medics fans who know every single song. No, we're going out and yet to prove ourselves every single time. And I love that process. I, I, I love it. The fact that you're going out and people think, oh, they're the band who did Spirit in the Sky. What are they going to do? Play Spirit in the Sky 12 times. Um, and then you surprise them and you put a show on and they go, and, and, and you, you know, to win them over. I, I still love, it's what I said earlier. I'm still that 18 year old jumping in vans, I mean, sitting on the gear. It could be worse though. Your one hit could be like in a God of Vita where it's like five <laughs> hours long. <laughs> like our buddy Jeff Towers. Well, he's been, he's been well hang on. Hang on, you've hit the nail on the head there because uh, we did have, at one point, we were just extending it and extending it and someone recorded it once and I said, it's 17 minutes long now. I said, that's ridiculous. We've got to cut this bloody song back to, 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 to you know, and we had to because it was just, we were going on and we, we were introducing, we were, we were having a laugh. We weren't just playing, you know, it wasn't just doing that. It was, we were just having, a, you know, we were introducing the band and, and it, but it was becoming like a mini rock opera. Um, so we did have to cut it back to sane levels. That is amazing. <laughs> I was just imagining before you said that you're introducing the band, I was just imagining you standing there going on up. To, that's the 17th time I've said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> our, our buddy yeah. Jeff Towers, he's a uh, drummer sit-in drummer for a bunch of people he has a lot of great stories to tell he's also been a runner for people great guy he has a good question how tall was that ladder in spirit in the sky <laughs> the video that video right you got to remember that was 1986 and people were spending um they weren't spending the hundreds of thousands of dollars but you know uh 50,000 you know was uh, i suppose I'm, yeah no no I, I there were a few videos spending well over 100 grand you know um so a realistic video budget for a video would have been between 30 and 50,000 pound we spent 5,000 pound on that video for spirit in the sky we did it in an old church hall uh we pulled in so many favors from people people painting everywhere they could black and white black and white um that ladder was literally uh it was four rungs placed in front of the camera and i was on my knees and i had to go out like that you see <laughs> miming look, look look there you go look <laughs> that's literally what i did on a four rung ladder that was put in front of there but the funniest scene from the video was um I'm singing, and if you look at it, there's one where a swirly black and white, wow, it looks lovely, CGI. No, of course it wasn't. There's no computers. There's nothing. It was a bloke with a drill, with a disc, with it painted on, walking behind, spinning it on a drill. And we were so short of money that he did the first one, and the disc span off. And there he is standing in, in the screen with the drill. And he actually thought, oh, and he ducked, <laughs> thinking that... That would be fine. We could still use it. But bless him for ducking. He didn't just go, oh, bloody. Oh, 
That dude should have kept it. That would have been hilarious. I wanted it. I said, "Oh, please keep that in," and they wouldn't do it. It was yeah. So uh, so it, it was a great video, but it was five thousand pound. It, it was yeah yeah brilliant. You know what you should do? Due to that ladder being another lie, um, you should release you should release a book called "Everything You Know Is a Lie Until Now." Maybe that should be your autobiography. <laughs> well. Yeah, you know, as I say, all my liography, and I, and I might actually state at the beginning that you know, 250 of these facts are true, 74 of them are complete lies. You decide which is which, and if anyone gets all of them right, they get a prize. You you know what you should do? You should do kind of like a uh, award though. Like if they get it right, they send you all the right answers. You give them lifetime. They can see you live whenever. Oh, that no, you want to give them a prize? They want surely. Oh yeah, but but yeah. I mean, the loser gets that. The winner. <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I, that's a good idea. Hang on, let me just write that down here. <laughs> the winner gets to see Norman, who who actually wrote Spirit in the Sky. <laughs> Bless him. I'm, I, I'm in touch with Norman. Um, every every year or so, we send each other a nice little message because, of course, he had a terrible accident a few years ago, um, and he was in a terrible car crash. Um, but he's I'll kind of recovered, him. and he's a lot better now. No, he's he's a beautiful he's a beautiful man. Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky to have got to know him over the years. He seems like a really good guy. I looked up some of the information about him while researching you because I'm like interesting because the ver first version I heard of Spirit in the Sky was you guys. I didn't realize that he had done it. I thought his was the cover. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? Well, his his is a brilliant. You know, his was a uh it the thing about norman's is we didn't want to change it that much we just wanted to update it we could because norman's has got that sound of not march 1970 and that grinding coming in and it's just that sound that he got is just iconic and we said well let's just do that but in 1986 so let's not try and revamp it let's not try and you know let's just do that but let's do it as possibly norman would in 86 that's all we wanted to do so you guys did a um, good job because it still has that very you. 70 sound still yeah oh there's always been there's always always been that bit of glam rock in us so you can't yeah you can't knock the glam out of us completely you there's glam rock you, you mean to tell me you guys are inspired by glam no <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to get your hair like that oh right that was um let, let's just check which is that one right that was no that that was that was one of the shoots i, I didn't do it for it, it it used to take uh not long at all because we just used to use so much hairspray and backcombing and it was but it would the, the the thing that would take the time was getting it back to normal it just was it was just uh hope but there was a model that we used to have the sun newspaper used to have topless models and i i call her a pastry girl them? uh sorry was you one of the topless models? No, no, but there was a lovely lady called Linda Lusardi. She's done so much more, but that's how she, at the time, she was a page three model. And I was in the office and the son phoned up and said, how do you get your hair like that? And I said, oh, I said, what's it for? And they said, Linda Lusardi's going to do it. So we need to, I said, oh, okay. Said, no, my manager was on the phone. He said, well, Clive's here. Do you want to talk to him? So I said, oh, yeah. I said, right, okay, yeah. Oh, Linda Lusardi. Oh, okay. Well, I said, right. You need flour and eggs, but you can't over flour it. And I just came out with this hideous recipe um, to put on a hair. And I said, but then you have to put a really hair. So basically you're cooking eggs and flour onto your hair. 
and she never forgave me because it ruined her hair for months. Uh, they actually, yeah, yeah. So um, that did go a bit wrong. No, we just used to hairspray and backcomb it and backcomb it and backcomb it. But uh, sorry, Linda Lasardi, sorry. <laughs> that that's where some of your uh, lies get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Greg over here, when I first posted the picture, he thought you were Ronnie James Dio. Are you a fan of uh, Dio? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I just wish I had one thousandth of his vocal ability. You know, I mean, beautiful man, amazing singer. What you know, and to even be. Uh, Likened to him because of my hair is brilliant. So that's I'll take that any day. <laughs> you should cover Dio. That would be brilliant. You guys don't. I couldn't Dio. sing Dio for God's sake, man. You don't have to, bro. Have you seen some of the covers out there? There's metal artists covering pop songs. It sounds nothing like the original. You should try it. Well, like well, we might do. Well, well we've got we've got we're, we're much more, um, I suppose, metal orientated. So I'm just, I'm just leaning over here for my. Uh, it's time to take my second dose of medicine here. Um, uh, yeah, we, I mean the band now. Right, this album uh, is more, I suppose, of a rock album than any of the others have. You know, it, it, it than any of the others have been. And a lot of the band, if I said to them, "Do you want to do a Dio cover?" Uh, they'd be like, they'd be, they'd say, "Yes!" And they'd bite my throat. So if, so if they're watching this, I'd put it this way: I'm going to put the band to the test. Guys, if any of you are watching this and you say to me you want to do a Dio cover, we're doing it. There we are. That proves it. They watch any of my podcasts. I started that, by the way. Um. <laughs> and please do Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah, Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> well, uh, I, th I think the, the main one that we do, we do muck around with sometimes is Holy Diver. So, <laughs> that know. would be cool. <laughs> I can see you doing some holy diver. Yeah. Uh, so, so Spirit in the Sky, holy diver, <laughs> bit of a theme. Some of your instrumental zone, some of your original songs that I've heard is very metal-like. So are you like a metalhead? Um, I've got a very, very, very broad church of music. I, I, I you know, I, I, um, I don't like to exclude anything really, um, apart from obviously jazz. Um, and when I say jazz, I'm talking about the purest one stuff, the stuff where the musicians are looking at each other, nodding, knowing that 99.9% .9 of us have got no clue what they're doing. Okay. That, apart from that, um, I, I, I do like all music because when, when I DJ on my radio show, I do station, I'll, I'll give it a plug for three, six, five radio. I do a Thursday show from two, 12 till two. Anything goes in there. Um, I'm, no, I'm, well, I'm well known for playing William Shatner's music a lot. Um, I, I do. I play a William Shatner track at least once every two weeks just to try and get more because I'm a mad William Shatner fan. And if, if anyone's not into the cult of William Shatner recording, just look at the musicians he plays with. OK, sadly, one of his worst songs is Spirit in the Sky, but he's got Peter Frampton on it. Peter Frampton is playing with it and they got, you know, the list of people who play with him. They didn't just play with him for nothing. And a lot of it is fantastic. So on my radio show, um, my mantra is if when it comes to music, if you can't open your mind, don't open your mouth. Exactly. People say, oh, I hate that music. All right. No, don't use hate or negative. It's music. Someone likes it. Jog on. Find what you like. Um, you know, and if you're going to send a tweet to someone saying, oh, are you still going? Da, 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 I, I always tweet them back and say, look, um, why don't you tweet an artist you like 
and give them something positive. They will love you for it. And they've had a hard, tough two years. So do that. However, if you do want to keep just send, if that's what shakes your boat and you want to send me loads more nasty tweets, send your boots, mate. Then more off a duck's back. But so I always think have an open mind to music. So I love, uh, yeah, yeah. there's very few forms of music that I will not listen to and really appreciate, you know. And, it, and I find that it's uh, when you find something genuinely new, and you get excited. I, I did. I, I can't say because it it's fr just before I spoke to you, I came across. Hold on, hold on. Oh, oh no, I can't do it. Oh no, I've not got it there. But a French modern ballet theme music released in 1969. It sounds dreadful, doesn't it? <laughs> that sounds like it'd be dreadful, but it's brilliant. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I was. I thought, right, that's going on my show this Thursday. I thought that's absolutely amazing. So I know what. Yeah, you know what you should add to your show. So. Um, have you ever listened to the music of Christopher Lee? Yes. He did an album, didn't he? With a heavy, with a, what was the metal band? He did a, When was he a, was 90 years old, he released his first metal album. That was it. Yes. Brilliant. It's a, it's an operaic metal album and it is brilliant. It yeah. is amazing. He, he'd done a couple of Christmas albums as well. Yeah. And do you know who was on his, uh, I don't know if it was his debut metal album, but this guy wrote one of his metal albums. It was uh, Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest. Brilliant. Brilliant. See, I love that. I, I, and you go down that road. See, I will definitely play him because when I play William Shatner, I did play. I said to everyone, you need a break from William Shatner. So we're going to play Leonard Nimmo, the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Oh. I'm still apologizing to them to this day. I mean, bless Leonard Nimoy, but he had no, see, I think when William Shatner does it, he's got a, um, he's got a delivery, right? It sounds bad. We're talking about William Shatner's music at length. Well, the thing about Shatner, of course, is Shatner's delivery supersedes all the other Star Trek actors when they perform. See, Shatner's subliminal. I weep, I weep when I hear Shatner. No, we're, we're analyzing, but he has got this fantastic delivery that's, uh, Brilliant. And when he went into space, <laughs> I just thought, does this man get any better? <laughs> he went to space. Yes. He's got You've got it. You've got it. The, 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 I, I watched it and I thought the funniest thing about it, because he's not young and he's, you know, he's, he's uh, obviously quite old. They've got all this technology to get into space and to take people up to space. Wonderful technology. But to get to the rocket, they've got 13 flights of stairs to walk up. <laughs> I thought, oh, come on, give the guy a break. Give and him an elevator. And, and when you get to the top of the stairs, there's a bloke with a camera in your face. So everyone else is going, yeah, yeah, William Shatner's got because. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got to know that they're like, well, Star Trek, one of the only, well, not the only, but one of the few surviving members of Star Trek is William Shatner. So he's got to go up there. Next is Mark Hamill. Uh, we got to get Luke Skywalker up there, yeah. and then we're good. Oh, I think. Did you know this? Uh, he, uh, William Shatner, was the 599th astronaut. Because when you, anyone who's been into space is an astronaut, and I find it amazing that, that we've only just hit the 600 level for people who've actually been into space. And uh, I think he, I think he, obviously, as you know, Captain Kirk, going was just brilliant. I think, yeah, I loved it. You should become the first band to play in space. You should go to space, singing "Spirit in the Sky." Okay, well, what's, what's, what's the uh, yeah? What's what's the, what's on the rider? 
you'll probably be spending more money to do that than you'd make though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but I could it could have its logistic problems, but you know, if we, if we have another pandemic, it'll give me something to work on. <laughs> that, that's that's something you should add to your list of things to put on Wikipedia. First ban yeah. to play in space. First ban to technically play in space. Just leave the technically there as a kind of a oh, what does that mean? Get people googling for ten minutes of their lives. <laughs> that is brilliant. Wikipedia made a mistake when they took away the edit button. Like, I get it, but there was a lot of artists that was like putting crazy shit. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even know they'd taken the edit button away. It's been so long since I've tried to, so I can't do that anymore. I don't think, I think you have to actually like prove that it's you or whatever. I don't know what the full technicalities is. But, but it is me. So I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, keep an eye on Wikipedia in the next couple of weeks. Um, there's going to be something on there. <laughs> so you, you aren't an actual doctor, but you do, you are an actual reverend. Ooh, 20 minutes on the internet. And I'll tell you the story behind it was uh, my bass player, Garrett, if Gareth's over there and watching this, Garrett, hello, mate. Um, my bass player for many years uh, and a very good friend um, was getting married and his bride, his wife-to-be, uh, got in touch with me and said, would you, because over in America, they're stupid enough to let people like me uh, marry people legally over here. There's no chance, you know, you've got, they, they, you know, they, they, oh, hold on a minute, you know, but over there, so 20 minutes on the internet uh, and I was a reverend. Uh, you did have to say uh, Universal Ministries, and you get a card, and you get the great thing is you get um, uh, ad, ad, you get admonishments of sin certificates. So I carry certificates with me, so I can, if someone got, I can sign it, and they are all their sins are wiped off straight away. I think, that, and you get the you get a little card with Reverend Don and everything. So I flew over to marry him, but what she'd done was she had got. Um, a female pastor or whatever to marry him, but she briefed this woman and she was brilliant apparently. She briefed her and said, look, Gareth doesn't like this about people. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like this and he doesn't like this. So can you please say all of these things? Because she told him that she wasn't going to be, that I was going to be doing the wedding. <laughs> so the day before I got there and um, I was having a beer with him and um, I said, so who's marrying you? And he went, oh God, She's a nightmare. She does this, oh God, and she wants me to do oh, and, and he was moaning and moaning and moaning. So it worked out perfectly. And then I just produced my card. I said, Gareth, hey, uh, have a look at that. And he went, what? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm marrying you. It's me. You're the closest thing to a preacher we're going to have on the show. And we are the show that needs our sins cleansed. So if you can send me one of them cards, please. Um, when I first heard you're a reverend, I'm like, oh, God, I have to watch what I say. No, 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 not at all. I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, I don't, it's not a secret now, but I'm, I'm a confirmed atheist. You know, I've always, I always have been. Uh, but I, in fact, you had to put, when you, the one question you had to answer when you became a reverend was your, your you know, religion. I thought, I'll do this. So I, I put pagan Buddhist healer. <laughs> Closest thing I could think of. You could have just said you're a wizard because the way you dress, you could be considered a wizard. Yeah, I could have done, but I, I think even America's clever enough not to let wizards marry people. <laughs> I don't know. They gave you a certificate to be a priest. So I don't yeah, know. Exactly. 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 But my mate got jealous 
because he said, how did you do that? Well, oh, da, 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 da. Anyway, I met him the next day. He said, oh, you and your reverend. I said, yeah, what? He said, I'm a bishop. <laughs> You're going to be the Pope next week. Yeah, I take your reverend. I take your reverend and I raise it to one bishop. <laughs> Man, you're living like the ultimate fantasy. You are a reverend, you're a doctor, you're a snail farmer. I mean, you have the fantasy of like nobody, but you're living the life. He's inspired us all. Yeah, I want to become a snail farmer priest. How do I? I'm gonna quit. And and don't forget a shit snail farmer. You know what we should do? We should do a part two on the show when you get your new knees, because you might be a different person. I mean, we might have to do an update. You know, um, my I was re- last time I was recording. Dan asked me, uh, "Are they going to fit a USB socket in them?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "And then he said, and is it like in the films where you can peel back the flesh and you see all the lights <laughs> and like the metal work and you know?" See, I think they think I'm going to get bionic knees. <laughs> You're going to be like 80% Terminator by the time this thing's done. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm close to six. I, I think, I, what was it? I think uh, the actual knee parts themselves cost around £5,000 each. So I am going to be the £10,000 man when they're in there. So <laughs> That sounds like one of them. Uh, I don't know if you get it where you're at, but on a channel called TLC, they have like my thousand pound life and shows like that. You should be the 10,000 pound man and go on. Yeah, I am the 10,000 pound man. Yeah. But it's given me after lockdown, it has given me a reason because my, as you said about missing gigs is, you know, I've got to time this and do this really well. Um, and I've kept, I cycle by e-bike, uh, because that's building the muscles up around the knees. So that's good. And I swim and I've got to lose a stone now after lockdown. And the reason I've got to do it is because the, my consultant said, if you, if you keep the muscles on your legs fit, if you lose a stone and if you stay fit, you can half your recovery time. Um, and he said, there's no reason why after two or three weeks, you can't drive but why you can't walk on stage and perform after two or three. So that's my target. So I'm kind of like, I've got a motivation now to get, because I hate swimming. I mean, when I'm in the pool and you swim and you come out and feel great, but I hate it. I can't stand it. Getting in the water, it's like, oh God, have I got to do this? But now I've got a reason to get up and get in the pool. And it's quite, yeah, it's, it's doing me no harm at all. I'll be, I'll be thin, I'll be fit, and I will have 10,000 pound knees next time. <laughs> You, quite a catch quite a catch <laughs> that sounds like a tender profile greg's gonna start using that line he actually promotes us on tender he promotes yeah. us on dating apps yeah i'll update my profile immediately <laughs> <laughs> so we do everybody's hollering for a part two so next year when you get your new knees you should do this show again and we will have Clive Jackson's new knees and that's certainly well, okay be- listen how about how about when I have a new album and I have new knees yeah we you do got it. all so, kinds of new stuff new album new knees yeah. new me <laughs> yeah, yeah you know when we do it then the album that I've been promising people for 17 years I'm on because I was told I was told actually when I was like 49 you need your knees replaced he said you have the knees of a 79 year old and he said the doctor said and I'm not talking about a fit 79 year old he said what have you been doing 
Uh, well, I used to jump off the jump risers onto my knees and I used to do all sorts of things. And we kind of think that didn't help the process, did, did it at all. So, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to come on. So, I've, so these, they, I've waited 13 years. I put it off for as long as possible because the technology's improved each few years. And now it's at a really good point. And I'm at a point in my life where if I've it done, I've got a good, hopefully a good few years where I'll be more mobile and everything else. So, yeah, so the new knees, the new album, the new me. <laughs> that's oh. what the, that's what the title's going to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but when you get the new knees, that doesn't mean you can now jump off drum risers again. You do know oh, that, right? No, no, I'll be, you know, um, I don't, well, I don't, you know, I'm actually, I used to walk a lot. As, and since I've lived in the Beacons, uh, we have a big, the Brecon Beacon, the mountain is called Penny Van. And the last time I went up there was five years ago and I was crying on the way down because the pain was so much. Going up was fine on the way down. But I used to, I was a cub, a scout, a venture scout, then a cub scout leader, a venture scout leader, because I believed um, so much that coming from London as I did, that organization gives young people the chance to get out and experience the country and find themselves and it did me a lot of good and i uh and i used to but i used to run down the mountains they used to call me the mountain goat because i used to just run from bound down that obviously didn't help either in the long run but i was walking down and i was just thinking to myself i said god you know this is what's what's happened so now i'm kind of really looking forward to it and one of the i, I met uh, a good friend of mine alex who was a, he's still a scout leader he's still doing this he's, he's an amazing guy uh but i said the one thing i miss is walking so once it's done once they're done and i'm fit we're going we've made a promise that uh, we're going to go up penavan and down so i'm really really looking forward to getting back up mountains and walking i can't wait for you bro i was actually a, a boy scout when i was younger um you might have been my scout leader i don't know um <laughs> you would have remembered you would have remembered i think you might be my real father i'm not sure <laughs> how old are you <laughs> gonna be 30 in april <laughs> when was your last tour in the united states <laughs> where, where was your mom living 30 in? <laughs> when when was your last u.s tour 30 years no ago? it was uh it was uh it was 80 well it was 80 it was 86 yeah 1986 oh okay no so my dad is my real dad good yeah i figured yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. i uh, talk to my dad you're gonna laugh at this because you have the sense of humor for it my dad i was like uh i have clive jackson on the show of dr and the medics and he said who and i'm like i'm like i'm like he's he sung the song spirit and sky and i played it for him he's like oh this ain't the original <laughs> <laughs> well i'm like that's kind of like the reverse of how i get uh, because because we're not that famous uh people get me I, I i used to be mistaken for pete burns when i was younger from dead or alive now i get mistaken for roy wood uh quite a lot and we did a gig recently and we like not recently 2019 a festival we came off and a woman came home and she was not very happy she said well i quite enjoyed the show but you didn't play any of your hits and before i could say well, actually, we, we played them all right? <laughs> in five minutes. Before I could say anything, she said, I was so looking forward to Sylvia's mother. Uh, right, okay, I see what's happened here. You know, but <laughs> she thought we were Dr. Hook. Now, the process that you go through to get to that point, right? She's bought a ticket, she's come to the gig. 
And she honestly thinks, it says on the ticket, Doctor and the Medic. So she's like, oh, that's Doctor Hook. They're going to play Sylvia's mother. What process goes through your head where that Wrong doctor. Wrong doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I still still like it when I get mistaken for other people. I, I should say, though, that I was getting... We we we've worked with Roy Wood. We recorded Waterloo with him. A fantastic uh, guy, and yeah, I, I like him a lot. So getting mistaken for Roy Wood is no problem for me. But I did get a bit fed up, and a few years ago, when my kids were younger, I shaved my beard off, and I looked like Vanessa Redgrave. So I, I, I grew it again, and my kids cried. I came out the bathroom thinking, oh, and they looked at me and they cried. <laughs> They're like, they, they thought you were their mom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go down that road. <laughs> oh god, that's that's hilarious though. That's why I don't shave my beard because then I would look like 15 years younger and it's it's a sad thing. Yeah, um, and, and you can keep that you can keep that 15 years and bank it when you really need it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like when I really need it, I'll shave it off and then I'll be like, "Oh shit, I realized I'm more attractive with the beard." <laughs> It hides everything. It does. Actually, the reason I did grow it was um, in 1985, when we went to Paris for the first time ever, I went through a windscreen in a car at uh, two o'clock in the morning after drinking mezcal for several hours with the promoter. Uh, and it was fine for a while because it was all stitched up and everything. But as I started to get older, I sort of, yeah, they started, I thought, oh, I'll just grow a beard. So, and it, and it's stuck ever since. So, yeah, that, that's why it started anyway. I've kept it since. It's weird because when you're like younger and you grow a beard, it makes you look older. But then when you get older and you grow a beard, it makes you look younger. Well, <laughs> I have a curse, uh, really. I have a curse and I, and I don't really know what to do because I'm actually, I've looked at old foes of myself and I, I'm just getting better looking every year. Uh, now it's, people think that's that's great, but it's not. You know, I'm just. God knows how good I'm going to be looking in ten years. I, I'm. It scares me. It scares me. You heard it here first, folks. It's it's. Uh, what is your key though? Like you've had the, a perfect head of hair your entire life. Do you like use hair products for it or? Oh, I have... haven't. My my forehead used to end here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you still have this it. bit. This bit is extra, and it's not like low and high tide where it goes like that and then comes back down. No, it's just going, <laughs> it's just going back there. I did use, uh, and I still do use actually regain uh, when it starts, and it does work. I, I, honestly, it does because it was getting quite thin here, and it does work. And the funniest thing about that, I was I was buying it in a chemist, and I was in the queue with a box of regain, and the bloke behind me thinning a lot. He, he tapped me. He said, "Does that stuff work?" <laughs> Damn it! I missed out on that. <laughs> oh, Cap says that you look kind of like Brad Pitt. Oh, really? <laughs> is, is she watching the same show? <laughs> I don't know. If I was drunk behind a wall, you probably would a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I tell you what. Drunk behind the wall, I look like Brad Pitt. I'll take that. My hair looks like Ronnie James Dio. I'll take those any day of the week. I'm I'm floating on air now. I just feel. <laughs> Have you have you ever been like mistaken for other like celebrities with curly hair that you didn't mention, like uh, Tony Iommi or Weird Al Yankovic? Because I get that a lot. I get no, Weird Al a lot. No, 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 I, I, no. Literally, the only ones: Pete Burns, Roy Wood, uh, yeah, and then Vanessa Redgrave. I always and then Ronnie James Dio. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie James Dio now, and now Brad Pitt. I can add, I'll can add those to the list. I always get Weird Al Yankovic. I get like... I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I get Bob Ross. Um, <laughs> the painter. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Garcia, the second. I've gotten that. I've never done acid, so... Um... <laughs> but the one thing, going into the segue, the one thing that always amazed me when I was reading your notes was... You, you do like psychedelic music and stuff, but you aren't a connoisseur of any drugs like most psychedelic artists are. Oh, you're that's another lie. Okay. Um, sorry, the uh, sorry, the um, I didn't anyway. Moving on, <laughs> I love this man. Oh. <laughs> Someone needs to someone needs to update the Wikipedia page now. Yeah, all the lies are still <laughs> I, all. I remember there. seeing that. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and, and I remember seeing with Ian Asprey, because when they did, because uh, he used to come to our club, Alice in Wonderland, when when we started. Because originally I started as a DJ in a in a club DJ, and um, Ian Asprey used to come down a lot. Uh, in fact, he sang. I found one thing that surfaced in uh, lockdown was someone sent me the club in london heaven we did a new year's eve gig there in 85 and someone sent me a recording of it and ian asprey's on stage with me doing wild thing uh so we had quite a lot of and in fact in the rain if you look at the video for rain the girls dancing are from the medics so because that was a hit when it was uh, because he was coming down the club and he wanted the girls in his video. That's it. We got accused of nicking the cult's girls for years. So, uh, no, it was the other way around. The girl, the cult used uh, the Anadin brothers, as they were collectively known, uh, to play in their video. So there's a lot of cross-fertilization there. And um, there was a, a feature saying that, oh, Ian Ashbury, this psychedelic music, Doctor and the Medic Psychedelic. And the ironic thing is neither of them take drugs. I've never been asked in my life if I take drugs. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> you won, Mike. The thing is, is a lot of people make it seem like uh, it's a bad thing in the music industry to have taken drugs. Now, drug abuse is bad, but for some people, it helps them with their artistic way. Especially with cannabis, we know more and more about it. I do it medically. Yeah, well, I can see that. Yeah, you can tell by looking at me. <laughs> I can see that. It's and, it, and you're doing very well on it. I have to say. Um, no, all, 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 I mean, all I'll say is that as you um, in this in, in this business to still be doing it at 60, mm -hmm. you've got to look after yourself. That's yeah. uh, you know, you can't you, you know, I, uh, you can't you can't be you can't be tripping the light fantastic every night of the week and thinking, oh, I, you know, you're, you're not you're not some tortured writer in the south of France drinking absinthe just so that you can see the angels and hear the demons give you the words you need for your novel. Uh, if you're going to go down that road, you're going to you're going to look like it and you're going to last five minutes. So like Alice you know. Cooper said, a lot of uh, musicians, especially his friends, would live the onstage character 24 seven. You got to learn to like let go of that eventually or it's going to kill you. Uh, yeah, that, that that's even more true for my case, because uh, over the last two years, because I've, I've probably only been on stage in the last two years, collectively about 48 hours. So I'd be a bit, bit sad, wouldn't I, if I if I I mean, I've known people who've changed their checkbook in the days when we had checkbooks to their stage name. And you just think, oh, you know, and also <clears throat> think about it. What are you going to write about? <clears throat> What are you, you know? What are you, what, what are you gonna? Are you if you are that person, and that's your life, 
you can only write rock and roll god, rock and roll hero, I was born for rock, I am rock. You can only write so many of those bloody songs, can't you? The rest of the time, you've got, you've got, you know, you've got, you've got to live your life and what you do on stage is an extension of it and what you do what you write is an extension of who you are so you know no i i, I have known people who do not come off stage and they're intolerable well some people do legally change their name of their stage name like i mentioned before alice did that but it's more for a legal reason for some people if you're alice cooper you're alice cooper yeah no you matter know. what like, yeah, exactly <laughs> if, if you're that big that that you know that that you're in a whole different of course you're alice cooper you know and and people would be disappointed if you didn't have alice cooper on your checkbook but you know i'm not what's <laughs> so, crazy is is back on like the whole like slowing down due to age thing there are some rockers that people are like well they do it so i can know you are not keith richards you're not ozzy osbourne slow the fuck down <laughs> and there is another thing when people say oh well look at the rolling stones look at you know look at uh, look at you know black ozzy osbourne etc etc right uh the thing is that they don't drive themselves to the gigs they don't hump their own amps out the car they don't even sound check all right their life is airport fly hotel uh relax get picked up driven to the gig on the stage everything's set up they know where it is they do their gig they're taken back they look up we're, we're still packing our gear in the car at three in the morning in the pissing rain uh really? so there's a total there's a totally different echelon you can't judge your life uh yeah you you can't so we 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 have to stay fit we have to stay agile and yeah and then quite often be able to drive after as well exactly like a lot of people like to say well this person can do it no everybody's different everybody's yeah. situation is different yeah and like i don't know like mu music is subjective and so is like the way of life i mean you live the life that is best for your health not how somebody else is living theirs exactly you know we all have to make at the end of the day i think we all have to be brave enough to be ourselves and, and decide what's right for us and i think that if you do and you i mean i know my body and i know um how much sleep i need and i know what i need to do for my voice to be able to i mean i'm not a great singer but i've actually uh someone saw a video of me the other day uh, who saw me last thing about 20 years ago and he said you've actually learned to sing and I said, well, it's kind of by default. If you if you do something so many times, your brain finally works out what to do. But uh, you have to keep the pipes and everything and your ability to get air in your lungs and be able to produce a note. Because I, I, I remember seeing older guys when I was younger. Um, I won't name any bands, but literally leaning on a post, you know, on the stage with a fag and a beer wheezing and puffing and unable to sing and i thought i never want to be that guy so you have to keep everything working yeah. uh, and you have to be sensitive yeah you have to look under you know so when i'm in the pool by the way talking about swimming there is something if uh, if people want to take it up right and you hate the idea and you think it's boring it is boring but you can now get sony walkmans that you just mp3 walkmans that you clip in your ears and you can listen to in the pool so i don't counting lengths is boring you know 32 uh, you know, well, was that 33 or was that 35? Well, I'm down this end, it's an odd night. You don't have to do any of that nonsense, right? Because what you do is you put an album, 40 minutes. So you pick an album in its entirety, which is a brilliant way to listen to music. <clears throat> we don't do enough of it anymore. Um, and when you 
remember the process of making an album you used to think oh first track side one last track side two you know that whole flow of an album so you listen you pick a great album and that's 40 minutes so you just swim and you're listening to the album and you don't even register how many lengths you've done but you've been swimming for 40 minutes it's a great way to swim there you are you heard it that's that's your doctor's advice for your mental and physical well-being everybody <laughs> I will have to do that. I'm not a swimmer. I'm more of a walker. Like I'll walk through the woods and stuff. Yeah, but if you do that, you you drown. You need to swim. <laughs> if I walk in the woods, I'll drown. But if I swim, I won't. That is <laughs> that makes the best. Of, I, now I know you do drugs. Um, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> that needs to be on a shirt. If you walk through the woods, you'll drown. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking of walking in the pool, but I think your 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 one's better. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a gig coming up. At least at least I think. I mean, I guess I knew before going live before you did. But May 29th at the Upton House is that still going on? Yes, that is going on. Yeah, that that's that uh, 29th at Upton House. Now, <clears throat> interestingly, I'm just looking at my dentist, and I've got a dental appointment two days later. The reason that's interesting is that's my first dental appointment for two years since lockdown. But anyway, uh, yes, we are definitely playing at Upton House, and we're on stage at 3:30. Oh shit! At, like at night or in the morning? <laughs> no, in, no in, the, in the afternoon. In the afternoon, it's quite a big show. They've got some much, much bigger names than us, so we're on at 3:30. So, which is good. I had this conversation with Midjour. Um, once because when we do a lot of, i mean that festival we're doing a, a full set which is great but um when we do uh, a lot of the rewind the big those big festivals you know we get 12 minutes you know you get 12 minutes on with and on and off and you're on early in the day and there's and i was talking to mid-year and i said how long are you playing for Midge? and he said oh i've got you know an hour oh what time are you on oh 8 30. Mm. so you're not, not off till 9 30. i said you know what your mistake was you had other hits you should have stuck at one because look at us we're off stage at 3 30 we're in the bar by four you're still on stage and we're on the way back to the hotel we've been fed watered easy gig mate you had too many hits and i think he's taking it yeah i think he now regrets all those extra hits you heard it here first folks you don't want to be a successful musician because he, he won't be able to be in bed by nine no, you have to do. You have, you have to play far longer sets, far later. Guys, if you enjoyed this show, which I know you did, check out Doctor and the Medics on all social media. Um, he's on Facebook. There's three different Facebook things. Which I guess you, is that your big following on Facebook? Do you know what? I've got to get TikTok going. Um, yes, I've got to get tic, yeah. I've got to get TikTok going, and uh, just to round it off because. Um, what I was saying a bit earlier, what I've got to really get on top of uh, is Facebook, Twitter, all the social medias before the album comes out, because uh, I know I'm wholly inadequate. And Julie, who's watching, who does Spirits Medics Tour Diary, by the way, Spirit is the name of her parrot, in case you're wondering, and it's the parrot's tour diary. So it makes it sounds more medic -y than you've possibly thought. Um, it does a wonderful job on, on, on all that side. And probably more people visit that page than mine, because I'm, 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 I'm woke inadequate but yeah we're going we're going to up the ante we'll, we'll get TikTok. but yeah i'm on facebook and uh twitter mostly so i noticed that you're on facebook and twitter a lot I, your instagram didn't seem that active when i was <laughs> no no and i've been told i need to so yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not too old to learn new tricks well what people don't realize is it's hard for us here and we got three people to keep up with all the social media because there's so many accounts that in so many places you, you can know, be 
there's some people get upset with me saying oh, i messaged you on facebook you didn't get back to me and it's like i you know I've, yeah I, I would literally spend an hour two hours a day just if i was to respond to everything you can't the, you know it, and i'm not even that famous but i i kind of you know I, I do feel a bit bad that i'm so rubbish at it so yes i will i will anyone watching and especially on Facebook, because I've got all these friend requests and I've got the, you're only allowed 5,000 friends, aren't you? So I kind of have to be brutal sometimes and just have a, you know, yeah, I need to get, I need to get. So I will do. There you go. There's another one for the future. New album, new knees, new profiles. <laughs> that is going to be the next episode of Pink Sock with you. That's gonna be... Well, since you have a great sense of humor, I'm sure you're going to get a nice laugh out of this. Are you familiar with what a Pink Sock is? Yes, well, as a doctor, uh, I'm very, I am aware of what a pink sock is, and I have to say, it's an absolute pleasure to be in one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We get a lot of our guests because they're like, either they don't know what a pink sock is, or they're like, that's a brilliant name because it's, it seems innocent, but it's really not. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it's not. I, I think, it, I, I, I think it's just a genuinely, genuinely beautiful thing. <laughs> are we talking about the same thing <laughs> i let you work that out <laughs> while, you, while you were on the road have you ever seen one have you ever seen one in person um yes my uh, in fact when i was about 12 or 13 my uh friend's mother worked as a nurse um and she had this manual of uh various prolapses and various things and we were just looking through it one day and yes yeah i've seen i've seen in in all its glory <laughs> it's gross oh. <laughs> yeah but but i think the fact this show is called that is a thing of beauty so yeah like i, I don't i called it that not thinking i would get like the guests I've been getting, so now I can't go back. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. And you know, I, I think maybe you should go the other way and raise awareness of the pink sock issue. There's a lot of people out there. Maybe, I maybe would... if we, if you want to do a charity night, you know, where we raise money for people um, who need help in that department, yeah, I'll, I'll help. I'll, I'll take part in that and say, for every pound you give, <laughs> we'll push it back in for you. <laughs> slap on the latex <laughs> that would be a great event the doctor of doctor and the medics will push your pink sock back in for you it's been confirmed ladies and gentlemen <laughs> there, there's a gofundme uh prize <laughs> would you be up for it though yeah, yeah. it depends on the money what are the hours <laughs> it depends on how much we raise how about that <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> this has been a, a lot better <laughs> like i knew it was going to be a great show but it's been a lot better i didn't think uh you would know what a pink sock was a lot of people don't oh as soon as i saw the word i thought hold on a minute i'm not going on there without making absolutely sure i know what we're talking about here <laughs> well, I, I had ryan roxy on here and i don't know yeah, if you're I, familiar I, with him I, I tell you, as a result, well, when I knew I was coming on, uh, I mean, I, I thought, well, I'll have a look at this. I just hope no one sees my search history at the time. <laughs> Clive Jackson has a pink sock. <laughs> I was going to get shirts made for the guest that says, thank you for coming on my pink sock. And Wonderful. And, you know, the spelling would be different than C-O-M. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, do you know, I've, I've loved, yes, I, I hadn't thought about that. I, I would have said otherwise, I'm really looking forward to coming on your pink sock uh, before the interview. <laughs> but I must say, I am now really glad I came on your pink sock. So, yes. You should come on a pink sock again, because it's all, it's <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to come on your pink sock anytime. What's hilarious is, is we actually had a friend of mine, Ryan, on here. Uh, he, the first thing I did is I'm like, you know what a pink sock is? Tell me the story. And <laughs> apparently he Googled it, not knowing what it was, with, with the images first. And the safe search was not on. So he got a picture of it before he got a definition. <laughs> did, he, did he recognize what it was? <laughs> I saw yeah. the first picture. The first picture I saw of it looked like a set from Alien. <laughs> like the alien had out of the mouth. That's a good way of it, like explaining it to like someone that's like underage. <laughs> it looks like the alien's mouth an alien. Yeah. 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 Uh, ooh. <laughs> that is a thing of beauty. <laughs> That is gross. Absolutely. So, so this uh, show went off the rails a little bit in a good way. Um, <laughs> but uh, for all your pink sock needs, we are on all streaming platforms now. <laughs> and you can follow the doctor everywhere, as we stated before. And there's another show, I think. This might be an older show. I'm not sure. June 18th, 2021. Okay, that was 2021. What was yeah. that show like? That Wasn't that your first show back from the uh, pandemic? That was um, we'd done one. No, we'd done one. We'd done a couple in in October, November. But that was no. That was really good because um, Blackpool, uh, many childhood memories. Because I was born and raised in Liverpool, and Blackpool used to be the family holiday. Um, and the Waterloo Bar, the Waterloo Music Bar, is a fantastic venue. Uh, the guy who'd taken it over, we went into lockdown on the nineteenth of March, twenty twenty. He got everything signed and took the bar over at four o'clock on March the 19th, 2020. And three hours later, they announced lockdown after he took over the bar. So uh, he literally phoned all his friends up and said, I can't keep this beer. Everybody come. It's Stella for free or whatever, you know, and, and they just had an almighty party. And then he decided, well, what am I going to do? So what he did during the whole of lockdown, he had everybody in there, all the staff, but they decorated the place. So you've got a Lemmy's bar there, you've got everything. It's a fantastic venue. And I walked in absolutely really impressed with it. Uh, and no, it, it was good because it was one of the early shows we did with it. And it was sort of very, very developmental, but there were people that the, it could hold 70 people. And we had 70 people in there. But the thing that I knew was there's 70 people who paid to come and see the show. So everyone was very appreciative, I think, just to have any live entertainment at all. But they really did like enjoy. Yeah, it was a, it was a lovely night. It was and for us, it, you know, it was yeah, it was kind of it meant a lot to actually get up there, get to Blackpool, play a gig, and then wow. And then of course it went into lock. We all went back into lockdown for a bit after that. So yeah, great. It's great that you got to gig though, because like you got to knock the rust off a little bit and do a show. I mean, there hasn't been much show since 2019, other than like here and there. So it's good that that has happened. Um, we're actually going on to the hour and 30 mark. I was probably going to end the episode soon so that okay. we give people more to listen to when you come back on, because we would love to have you back. Absolutely. Do you know what? I'd love to. And as you say, you know, um, 
it's it's uh, yeah yeah it, 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 it as you say it's just brilliant just to be able to chat because you could uh, quite often if you do an interview told and then we did this and then we did that and then we did that but for me it kind of makes me remember other stuff that i've, <laughs> I've done yeah. Uh, well, so yeah and it, it, it's it's an opportunity to just yeah as you say just I, ramble i just hope people have enjoyed it yeah with my with this show i don't w- want to do like the typical interview style which works a lot of people are great at it but for me like i just like to invite people on and then just get to know them talk to them be human with them and just that way because I feel there's too much of the interview style stuff. I actually hardly ever use the word interview unless it's like in the subject. Cause I'm like, Hey, you want to come on and talk? Like <laughs> just. Uh, well, absolutely. Well, as I said, the last one that I did from your side was with Richard strange from the doctors of madness. And it was just a chat, but um, you know, he was telling me some great stories uh, and it was just, yeah, it was good chat. But unfortunately I do have to edit it down to three one hour sections, but there we are you know it, it, it it's good it's good for us and as long as people and maybe people have learned a bit more about what doctor and the medics are about and hopefully you may get to enjoy our music well what a lot of people do now is so not just cut it down to three parts but they will actually cut different segments and release them in segments instead of whole episodes and then when they're done with the segments then they'll release the whole episode i may nick that idea because uh, it's such a long episode that like you can be yeah. like, hey, what did he have to say about this and this and this? And then yeah. boom, the whole episode. I might I might steal that idea. So, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So everyone go check out Doctor and the Medics on all social media. We will bring the doctor back on with brand new knees, brand new everything, maybe even a book. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> new, new profile, new knees, new album. Now, the album is going to be the priority. The album is going to be yeah, the, the, the priority. I mean, the knees. I think, just gave away, I think he just gave away the album title name now. New knees, <laughs> new, new me. <laughs> I was, I am in the middle of writing a book and it is called What With Those Knees. Uh, and the, the idea of that is it's for all these negative people who look for, to identify, to let something identify them or to or to put other people down. So I'd, I'd often say like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. But you say, oh, what with those knees? Uh, and it's like, well, you know, yeah, so it's, but it's, it's kind of a positive book, but it's a bit about my journey, not about the band specifically. It was about my journey with knees and there's a lot of cycling stuff in there for older guys or girls or lay, anyone who wants to get back into cycling as, a, as, as something to do when you're older. But it's got loads of tips. It, like It's got all funny stories. Like when you first go on a bike and you haven't been on a bike for 20 years, don't go cycling down a busy road and look over your shoulder thinking you're going to stay in a straight line. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> so, uh, but it's written quite a funny. So I'm writing a book called What With Those Knees? And in brackets, yes, and with this voice. Uh, and it's kind of, yeah, and it's kind of, uh, don't let other... The moral of it is, let other people be the people. This is a good line to end the show on. I think, let other people be the ones who tell you what it is you can't do. I love that. I'm big for like motivational quotes, and that's really good. I need to write that. That's really good. Was that something you came up with, or did you read that somewhere? Well, I didn't invent the words; they were already in the dictionary. Oh, I know. Uh, I meant like the saying. You yeah, smart ass. I, I'm sure. So, do you know what? It sounds like someone should have said it. No, but I, I, I do it, and I say it at the end of the doctor. I, write, I put it into the doctor. We'll see you now. That was that was the that's the, the line at the end because through throughout the show, I'm saying that people told me I couldn't do this. People told me I couldn't do that. People told me I shouldn't do this, or I should give that up now, or I should do that, or I shouldn't do that. And that's the whole theme of the show. And I said, but here I am, and I'm smiling, and you've had a laugh, 
so let other people be the ones to tell you what it is you can't do exactly a lot of people told me that i couldn't become a popular podcaster and look at me not a popular podcaster but i'm doing it <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the do you know do you know what you you, you can spend that. your life you can spend your life wanting to do something and just never do it because you you believe you can't and the main reason you believe you can't is because other people have told you you can't and people tell you oh no someone like you can't do that you can't do that and so you you put it off and put it off and you don't know it's like me i'm not as we're talking i'm not playing arenas i'm not well known i'm not da -da, but i'm doing it and i'm loving it and that's it you know and i'm happy so what price that well i was going to introduce you on the show as clive jackson of the jackson five but <laughs> <laughs> oh listen make sure make sure that when uh i come back on i won't tell it now but when make a note to tell for me to tell you my jackson five story Will do. Will I do. I shamed myself hideously in front of that entire family. <laughs> and you're not even related. <laughs> not, even, not even, no. Although, no, I'll tell you the full story when we get next time. Sweet. Um, You heard it here first. We are going to do another episode with yeah. uh, Clive Jackson. Stay in touch because I, I really enjoyed this. And I'd like to stay in touch with you. And your... absolutely, oh no, ab absolutely. So yeah, I sent you a definitely... friend request on Facebook. If you find me worthy enough, it's sitting there. <laughs> Email me when you do, and I'll 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 jump the I'll jump the queue for you because there's quite there's quite there's quite a queue there. And if anyone people have said to me, oh, you don't, you've never accepted my friend request, I am going through. But it's like you have to go through all the ones. Oh, it's like you have to go through all your list of people, find people who've left or people da -da -da -da, make space and then get other people on. So I am trying. I am trying. <laughs> You're good. I figured I'd throw in that joke though, because <laughs> like I, I sent it, <laughs> it just put me up the queue. But this was Clive Jackson. He's amazing. He's hilarious, and it's been a lot of fun. I think I just made a new friend. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you say you know, apart from the age difference, you know, looking at you and looking at me, I think is, am I that guy up there or am I this guy down there? You know, it's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been we could have been separated at birth, couldn't we? You know what we should do is if it would have been a long birth, it would have been a thirty year birth. But there we are. <laughs> well, what we should do is if you start your own podcast, I should come on your podcast and you interview me. Let's. <laughs> well, well, we could do we could because I'm I'm starting to do interviews on my radio show. So if you're happy just doing a radio show interview, I could do one to uh, to promote the Pink Sock. I would be happy actually just appearing okay. as a on and off regular i mean i love doing radio i love doing podcasts i mean i don't, i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm not I, I think i don't think the radio station i don't think the world is ready for us to do a radio <laughs> i mean you, radio. You, you you could be the howard stern to my uh robin <laughs> <laughs> how does that work <laughs> hey i'm a powerful black woman don't you judge me right <laughs> right it was nice talking to you, Clive. Uh, everyone, remember, live long, rock hard, and go follow Spirit and the Medics on the Tour Diary on uh, Facebook, and go follow Clive on all social media. He's not on book all the social media. Yeah, book your appointment. And he's not on all social media, but he's on all social media. <laughs> yeah, I am, and, I, and I'm going to be, and I'm, and I'm going to be getting better. I promise. He's going to get better. He promises. You heard it here first, folks. Love you all. a very naughty boy. <laughs> very naughty. <laughs> Don't very spank naughty. him. He enjoys that. But uh, you, all, you all have a lovely rest I'm of your day. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> and remember, live long, rock hard. There we are. Thank Please. you so much. No problem.